This podcast is brought to you by the Village of Bedford Park, your home for business. Over 450 businesses strong and growing with a safe, reliable Lake Michigan water supply. Visit VOBPBiz.com and bring your business home to the Village of Bedford Park. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Now, the WBBM Noon Business Hour. It's 12.03, Friday afternoon, January 27th. Good afternoon. It's a snowy day in Chicago. It looks like a snow globe outside the studio window from the ninth floor to Prudential Plaza in downtown Chicago. New computer program uses artificial intelligence, and it's being called by tech experts a, a game changer. Maybe you've seen some screenshots of the work of the new chat pot. We'll talk about that coming up in our next segment. But right now... Now, a survey commissioned by the Forbes advisor finds that 8 in 10 young adults are getting financial advice from social media. We're joined by Ed Jertson, certified financial planner, founder of the Engage Wealth Group based in Chicago. The website is engagewealthgroup.com. Ed, thanks for joining us today. And when we talk about uh, younger investors or people who are interested in money getting their advice from social media, what apps are we talking about? Hey, Rob, you've got some very popular programs out there, TikTok, Reddit, and you name YouTube, everything out there that's available. Because unlike years past, decades past, where, you know, we often got to magazines or newspapers that were vetted by editors to get information, this is freely available information, right? These supercomputers we hold in our hands, you know, younger people are watching these things and looking at their, their cell phones every day every minute. And so having that availability of that information from a source you may not know, whether it's a credible source or not, that is, I think, one of the areas that, again, this millennial group, younger folks really have to pay attention to. And this is simply a case of financial advice or investing advice, meeting people where they are. I mean, it seems like this is merely one step in the evolution compared to uh, 40 years ago when people were getting their financial advice from radio shows hosted by like uh, Bruce Williams or a Dr. Bernard Meltzer. Well, and that's a great point because, again, we have office hours and our clients come visit us. But I can tell you, you know, younger folks are very, very busy as well as, you know, some of our, uh, you know, let's say retirees. So ultimately what you said is the spot on. It's where do we meet people and where can they get their information? And unfortunately or unfortunately, again, the availability of this information is right in front of you. And it may be good information or it may not be good information. And it's hard for younger people to discern the difference. I mean, obviously, there's always a concern about bad advice, especially on the internet, which is awash with it. But on the other hand, I guess this is the good thing, is that uh, there is a degree of interest in that younger people are interested in it, and that there is a market for people who have good, actionable uh, information that uh, is beneficial and not harmful. 
that's the most positive thing about all of this is that the the information is readily available, like you said, right? So you can go on your phone and just kind of learn slowly at your own pace, right? Having that information that could then get more questions to be asked amongst your friends and families. But again, realize that some of these social media influencers, the, the celebrities and sports figures, right? They're getting paid for this. So be very, very careful of who you're seeking advice from. So if you're online and seeking advice, make sure it's someone who's qualified, like a certified financial planner. So you know the information that you're getting is in your best interest and not someone making some money on the side in terms of what they're trying to purvey to you. Well, Ed, the door is wide open for you to go on TikTok and uh, apply six or seven Snapchat filters and uh, dispense that reliable information. Thanks, Rob. That, that's not happening anytime soon, but I greatly appreciate that. You know, get, good advice is good advice. So when you hear something, think about it. Listen to it. Don't look after get-rich-quick schemes. I think that's one of the biggest things that, for us, that we always try to look at is just be careful. Making money takes time, right? If you're, if you're chasing money to, to all of a sudden show all your friends just how much money you have overnight, that is a recipe for, you know, disaster, financial challenges. So just be very methodical, very careful. But yes, Rob, thank you for that uh, plug on my next social media platform. Ed Jertson, Certified Financial Planner, founder of the Engage Wealth Group based in Chicago. The website, EngageWealthGroup.com. Coming up, a look at a, a revolutionary technology involving language and writing. An economy of words. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. The company OpenAI has released a product called ChatGPT that will write answers to questions that you ask. Let's learn more. More from Paul Hockman, president of Humongous Media, former tech editor for the Today Show, based in Cambridge, Massachusetts. Paul, thanks for joining us today. And this is the second application in about a month that scours everything that exists on the internet and spits out something that you want. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, it was the, uh, the the social media avatar app that some artists were upset about because they felt they were being ripped off and uh, not being paid for their work. And now it's something that writes a paragraph for you uh, based on all the information that's available online. That's exactly right. So in both cases, whether it's art or, or uh, text and prose, what the challenge here is, is that chat GPT, which, um, which is, stands for generative pre-trained transformer, not too fancy, but that's the idea, uh, is basically a way to gather any or all information available on the internet and create something new out of it. So in the case of the art that you talked about, it, it sort of borrowed styles from literally millions or billions of images. Uh, if you wanted to create something in the style of Picasso, why you could borrow it and, and elements of that add a little um, sort of subject matter suggestions, like I wanna see myself uh, on the, on the uh, Brooklyn Bridge, and lo and behold, in the style of Picasso, out that would come. And then, of course, ChatGPT is the same thing with prose. So somebody puts in a question, uh, like, you know, tell, you know what, what is Hamlet's problem? <laughs> and maybe that outcomes a well-written, although sort of, for my, to my eye, slightly bizarre a paragraph that is some in some cases indistinguishable from human production. I have a lot of friends who have been uh, providing, you know, putting asking question prompts of uh, Chat GPT and posting the answers and having a lot of fun with it. But a lot of people who are on the content creation side are very concerned that uh, will the next class of journalists uh, simply be AI bots? And is there an answer to that question? Well, first of all, the, the first part of that question is really, really interesting, which is, are we all going to be phased out by AI? And, and, you know, in some broad terms, 
we kind of already are. Um, there are a lot of decisions being made, whether it's financial transactions and other, being driven by AI and machine learning. In the case of a, a, trans, a, a paragraph, and I want to you know, get that output, here's the problem as, you know, as a journalist, and I'm a content creator, I, we make very short videos. The, the, could we be replaced? Absolutely. But here's the challenge, and this is really central and important. ChatGPT develops its content from everything it finds on the web. Well, here's a problem. Everything on the web is, and this is going to come as a shock to you, not true. <laughs> in other words, there are many no. things that are untrue. Yeah, I know. I'm sorry. And I hope your listeners are not upset. I mean, this, this um, is revolutionary stuff, Paul. <laughs> exactly. So, but, here, but, the, but the problem is, is that ChatGPT is so efficient at going out and combing the web for information, it can produce content that looks like it was produced by a person and seems rational. The problem is what it is used to generate that content may well be deeply flawed or wrong. So all the stuff that looks right may not be right. And that's in, in the end, that is the biggest challenge we face. What are we looking at stuff that's sourced from truth or from fiction? And, and the other thing, you're looking back at the history of automation is that uh, as you automate certain processes, yes, it makes certain jobs obsolete, but it also but it doesn't make industries obsolete. It just makes them more productive. I think that's exactly right. Look, the, the old horse and buggy analogy is, is absolutely true here. Horse, horse and buggy technology is no longer with us. But that was phased out, but transportation wasn't. You know, I mean, and wheels certainly have gotten more efficient and better and so forth. So that's an easy answer. But in the end, I mean, look at customer service. If you really do, if customer service is generating information for a customer who really needs to call in and get information now, and customer service operations using ChatGPT can use what they know to be truthful source material about their own company, about the services, then that's actually really useful. And are we talking about phasing out a customer service rep? Sure. Are we talking about much better service for an individual user? Potentially. So, yes, you're absolutely right. Look, it's going to alter things. It's not going to eliminate things. Or if it does eliminate it, it's micro, not macro. Paul Hockman, president of Humongous Media, former tech editor for the Today Show based in Cambridge, Massachusetts. Thanks for joining us today. Coming up next, a look at what's behind the current surge in gas prices. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Conversation that's on the money. You're listening to the WBBM Noon Business Hour. If you've pumped gas recently, you've likely noticed that prices are on a rapid rise. Let's check in with Patrick DeHaan, Senior Petroleum Analyst at GasBuddy.com, based in Chicago. You can find Patrick, of course, on Twitter, at GasBuddyGuy. And one sure sign that gas prices are rising once again, Patrick, is that people are yelling at you on Twitter once again. <laughs> well, there's always uh, folks that may know a little bit more about this subject, but as you mentioned, uh you probably noticed it, especially out in the suburbs. We're getting close to that $4 gallon mark already. And, of course, in the city, seeing prices jumping over $4. Those are about 50 to $0.60 cent increases from where we were a month ago as oil prices have rallied. And, of course, we still have some of the cold weather shutdowns from late December that are still impacting refineries' ability to produce enough gasoline. Is this strictly a refinery issue now, or is the price at the pump reflecting that run-up in uh, gas prices or the run-up run up in the worldwide oil price uh, simply a bet on the economy reopening in, in China? 
That's really it, Rob, is really uh, uh, both of those. Not only refining numbers still quite low uh, after some of those cold-weather-related shutdowns, but yes, uh, the Chinese economy reopening. They've issued uh, some pretty significant import quotas, and that's what's really pushing prices higher. Not only that, but the SPR releases are now over, uh, so the market's getting a little jittery that perhaps there's not going to be enough product uh, on the market here. Uh, in the months ahead. What are some of the uh, specific refinery issues, especially when it pertains to the Midwest? What's really uh, uh, causing a problem for the Great Lakes region? Well, at least right now, PBS Refinery over in Toledo uh, was doing maintenance, completed it, but they haven't been able to get their refinery back online the last couple of weeks, struggling with it. Uh, Meanwhile, the Cenevis refinery in Toledo remains down after a fire last September. And so gasoline... uh, numbers just not as as good as what they normally are this time of year and then add in uh the cold weather related issues out west and the rockies another refinery completely down for at least likely to the end of the first quarter because of those cold weather related issues and then at what point do uh, international oil traders kind of get a handle on uh, the supply and demand situation uh once uh you know china's economy it continues to reopen uh when do they have a good idea of what that's going to mean for uh, worldwide demand well, Rob, I think that's going to be, you know, a, a day-to-day and that we'll, we'll see, you know, obviously COVID cases are, are surging in China, according to latest numbers. So that could subdue some of the anticipated jump in demand. That's really the only thing that could arrest a big jump in prices. But uh, it's more of a day-to-day. And this kind of highlights the volatility in oil markets as we get new news out of China. That certainly could drive oil prices up or down. Is this a situation where is it going to be a rerun of last spring and summer, or will this be a temporary pop before going back down? Well, I'm, I'm really hoping that with additional refining capacity coming online, mainly in areas overseas, Asia, the Middle East, and Africa, that that could bite us some breathing room that we need but there is a heavy slate of refinery turnarounds happening this spring. Refineries that deferred maintenance last year are now doing maintenance this year, and that could push us to uncomfortable uh, territory, though I'm hoping that we won't get back to record level. Patrick DeHaan, Senior Petroleum Analyst, GasBuddy.com, based in Chicago. You can find him on Twitter, at GasBuddyGuy. Thanks for joining us today. Still ahead in Entrepreneur Friday, a place for food companies that aren't in position to have their own facilities will tell their story coming up. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Good afternoon. I'm Rob Hart. These are the top stories on News Radio WBBM. New police video is released of the attack on the husband of former House Speaker Nancy Pelosi. A special report coming up from CBS News. In Entrepreneur Friday, filling the need for safe storage and production spaces by food related businesses. We'll also learn about a little known market indicator that gets its direction from investor sentiment in the month of January. WBBM Business, the market are higher. The Dow is up 77 points. The Nasdaq is up 114. And the S&P 500 is up 14. AccuWeather says mainly cloudy today, windy and cold with snow at times, but an inch of accumulation. High today of 37, wind chills in the teens and 20s. 29 degrees right now at 1231. CBS News Special Report. Police have released video of the attack on House Speaker Nancy Pelosi's husband, Paul. That's the sound of police knocking on the door. 
CBS's Carter Evans on what's heard on the 911 call that was released. His demeanor is, is very calm because during the time he was making this call, DePap was listening in in the background. It was, it was almost in a sense like he was speaking in code to the 911 operator and the 911 operator got the idea that something wrong was going on. And as far as what the accused attacker told police. He allegedly admits to police what he was planning to do, which was kidnap Nancy Pelosi and break her kneecaps. The video shows Paul Pelosi fighting for control of a hammer with the suspect shown wrestling it from Pelosi's hands and lunging toward him. CBS News Special Report. I'm Peter King. It's 1232 as the noon business hour continues. Markets are gaining ground. We're joined by Jeff Kilberg, founder and CEO of KKM Financial based in Chicago. Jeff, thanks for joining us today. Uh, it's shaping up to be a positive week, at least for the S&P 500. Uh, it's just been slow, steady growth as the uh, days have gone on. What are some of the big uh, market movers this week? Is it individual uh, earnings reports or is it the, the continued flow of good news when it comes to fighting inflation? You know, Rob, I think it's a combination of the two. We're certainly seeing a better than expected earnings season, and I think we just had just a horrific 2022, so it's wonderful to get that 2022 in the rearview mirror, but you're seeing the NASDAQ 100, which was the laggard last year, down over 30%. You're really seeing it come out of the gate strong, and typically, historically speaking, Rob, when you see such a strong January, that kind of sets the tone for the rest of the year, but I think it is a confluence of earnings Better than expected, but it's also the PCE. That's the data. That's the most measurable data that the Federal Reserve utilizes to measure inflation. You are seeing inflation abate. So that potentially puts the Fed next week, next Wednesday, they will opine if they are going to only raise the rates by 25 base points, which seemingly is what they are going to do. There's about 99% certainty on that at the CME group, uh, Fed Fund Watch tool that they utilize. But that is really going to allow them to take a pause. And you've seen the 10-year note come back under 3.5%. That's given building stocks a little bit of a reprieve. But right now, there's a lot of optimism. It's caught a lot of people offside. There's been a lot of pessimism, a lot of negative sentiment. And I love the fact that some of those people have to chase the market now. And then let's talk about some individual uh, earnings reports. So what happened at Intel? So Intel fumble. I mean, let's get ready for some uh, football this weekend. But that was a flat-out fumble and a stumble. And I think Intel, they were just kind of recovering from some of their initiatives. They spent a lot of money on repurposing themselves. They are still an essential name. I know AMD, their competitor, has taken a lot of their lunch away from them. But Intel is going to have to lick their wounds and recover here because they felt like they just didn't miss on so many different varieties. But at the end of the day, I think PC sales is weakening globally. But you are also looking at other names and really steal the light today. You know, we talked about Tesla popping above 175, but Lucid, we just had speculation come out about 15 minutes ago that a Saudi Arabia fund may take over Lucid, and that is moving Lucid today up by 56% currently. So a lot of speculation, a lot of rumors, nothing confirmed. But you're just seeing a lot of volatility, and volatility translates to a ton of opportunity for traders. Shares of American Express rising 5% despite weaker than expected results for the fourth quarter. Let's take a look under the hood there because I think American Express, it, it can also tell you a lot about the state of the American consumer too. 
It does, and I think you bring up a great point. In American Express, certainly you're seeing a pop today in American Express. It actually missed, believe it or not, Rob, on top line and bottom lines, but investors are gravitating towards the forward guidance, the optimism that we are going to have the ability to weather and not have a recession. That's in stark contrast, and I know I've been kind of spitting out a lot of rainbow and sunshine right now, but that's in stark contrast to what the banks were saying. Just about a week and a half ago, J.P. Morgan, Wells Fargo, they were painting a pretty pessimistic picture. So, very bifurcated earnings season. I think you have to rely on the fact that the consumer is still showing some strength. I think American Express revealed that today. So I'm going to favor what they're talking about versus the banks who typically are pretty prudent uh, when they look at forecasting. And then Chevron, I mean, this shouldn't come as a surprise to anybody with a, a big run up in the price of oil. And uh, we're seeing it again with uh, gas prices going up that uh, they would have a pretty sparkling earnings report. But I feel like in, in terms of uh, some of these oil companies, yeah, they're, they're, they're laughing all the way to the bank right now. Now, but this comes after a, a pretty uh, a, a stagnant decade in the in the 2010s. Yeah, and I think all of our friends in uh, Washington D.C. forget about what they had to weather, the storms that they had to weather. They were absolutely taken out to the woodshed, and now you've seen oil. And as long as WTI crude oil stays between that sixty-five, seventy dollars, one hundred dollars range, you're going to see. A lot of these companies continue to do well, but Chevron talk about buying back stock, about $75 billion worth of stock. And of course, all the, the politics in Washington are scrutinizing that. And I, I think it's hilarious that they're scrutinizing that. This is a multi-year buyback situation that they felt was most prudent, but it's also where we are in the political cycle. So every headline is politicalized, uh, no matter what you look at from Tesla to Chevron. But Chevron has been a name that we continue to like. We actually own ExxonMobil, too. And energy is a sector that will continue, hopefully, to deliver alpha to investors. Jeff Kilberg, founder and CEO of KKM Financial, based in Chicago. Thanks for joining us today. Coming up next in Entrepreneur Friday, it may look like a so-called ghost kitchen, but it's actually a whole lot more. A deposit for your future. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Hey, it's Entrepreneur Friday, and this afternoon we're putting the spotlight on a company that describes itself as an apartment building for food companies. We welcome in Mott Smith, who is the co-founder and CEO of Amped Kitchens Chicago. It's on West Dickens in the Austin neighborhood. It used to be the old Zenith factory way back when. Mott, thanks for joining us today. And, and this story that is now continuing on the west side of Chicago, it began in L.A., where your company has two facilities. And how did you get the idea and how did you build this thing? Well, hey, Rob, thanks so much for having us here today. Uh, my business partner, Brian Albert, and I are real estate guys, and we love the idea of supporting the vibrancy of cities. You know, you go to the, you go to the most troubled cities, the most troubled neighborhoods, you find wild entrepreneurship everywhere. And uh, it, 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 even in the best of times, it's really hard to start a food business. Uh, there are lots of barriers thrown up in terms of permitting, quality facilities, uh, figuring out where you're going to be in a year. And as real estate people, we you know, who are also passionate about food, we wanted to provide a solution that made it easy for people to say, yes, I'm going to take the next step in growing my food business. Yes, I'm going to be able to say uh, I can fulfill that order for Whole Foods, even though I've never done it before. And uh, that, that's what we did. And when you started in L.A., uh, what, were, you know, what, what buildings did you seek out and, and renovate? And uh, what was the uh, kind of the state of play as far as uh, food companies in, on the West Coast or in Los Angeles that needed a commercial kitchen that they could not provide themselves? 
So we saw something that has been called the Whole Foods problem really alive and well. And, and that's a, a small food company that's got a great recipe, a great product. Maybe they're doing online sales. Maybe they're in a couple of small markets. And then suddenly they get an opportunity to go really big and really scale. And we're talking about going from you know, hundreds of units a month to thousands of units a month. And this was a this was a really big story after the Great Recession in, in 2007, 2008. A lot of people left their jobs, uh, started that food company they've always wanted to start and had some success. And what they found is there are incubator kitchens all over the place, hourly kitchens, places that will help you start your business. But as soon as they got that first big order, that first big opportunity, they they didn't know how to say yes to it. And what a lot of them found was that the, the cost and time required to go from being a hundreds of units a month business to a thousands of units a month business was more than a year and would have required hundreds of thousands of dollars of investment. We, we decided to build our first AMP kitchens. We opened back in 2015 in, in Los Angeles in an, in an old industrial uh, building, brick building, very much like you'd see all over Chicago. It's one of the reasons we actually love Chicago. Uh, and uh, put in place 54 kitchens that leased up very quickly. And we, we, we filled that gap for those businesses that were looking for, for a solution to get them from, as we say, the benchtop to, to real scale. And so outside of uh, your love of architecture and your love of old buildings, what attracted you to Chicago? Uh, man, I, I mean, Chicago, I, I don't, don't tell my friends back in Los Angeles, but Chicago is probably my favorite city uh, anywhere. Uh, it's, it's got an incredible food community. I mean, I, I consider it the food capital of America culturally. There are incredible groups like the Chicagoland Food and Beverage Network that, that really help boost the community. And it's, it is statistically America's food capital. There, there's more money and more jobs in the food industry in Chicago than anywhere else in the country. And some of the most exciting brands, some of the most exciting innovation uh, is, is coming out of Chicago. And so when we, we, we actually got a call from uh, uh, the, the last mayor's office right after we opened in LA saying, you know, we, we've got great incubators, places like the hatchery here uh, in Chicago. The hatchery was just being formed at the time. And we, we need a place for that step up. And we know that's what you do. And so why don't you come take a look? And, and we've been in love ever since. We're talking with Mott Smith, the co-founder and CEO of Amped Kitchens in Chicago. Uh, how has the online business changed things, not only for you, but also for your clients? Because a couple of years ago, I profiled a business uh, that uh, started selling things online, and they did start in an incubator kitchen, and they had to lease their own space because the online product got really popular. Uh, so does the direct-to-consumer online sale business really benefit you? And if so, uh, how has you know, it, it really does. We, we've got we've got several tenants that you know, that's their niche. Uh, one of our newest, a company called Soul Reviver, which sells artisanal coffees and, and beef jerkies direct to consumers online, is a great example of this. Um, but I'll, I'll tell you that online is a smaller component of the the food and beverage world than we might think. At, at, at the height of the pandemic, it really only accounted for less than 10% of, of all food sales. And this is surprising to a lot of people who assume that we've gone entirely virtual. What, what we've found and what we believe is that people still want to be in touch with the, uh, the human beings who are making their food. They want to know where it comes from. They want to know that it's made in a quality space uh, that, that, that has a commitment to health and safety. And I, 
if, if you come and visit AMP Kitchens, you'll, you'll see a beehive of activity, uh, a real community of, of food makers <clears throat> at a place that's actually very relatable. It's actually uh, almost the antidote to online sales. Mott Smith, co-founder and CEO of Amped Kitchens in Chicago, 5801 West Dickens. That's the old Zenith factory. Thanks for joining us today. And still to come, an explanation of the January sentiment effect on the markets. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. A market indicator for the rest of the year takes its cue from how investors act in the month of January. Let's learn about that from Mark Hulbert, investment columnist for the Wall Street Journal, Barron's, and MarketWatch.com based in Washington. Mark, thanks for joining us today. The January sentiment effect. It plays off a January jump in investor sentiment. What does it say right now, and what can that portend for the rest of 2023? Well, it's actually a source of some good news. It turns out that uh, what it does, this particular indicator, it looks at the investor, the index of consumer sentiment that's put out by the University of Michigan and compares where it is in January with where it is in December. And in this particular year, it has jumped markedly. It's gone up one of the, the biggest monthly jumps in a long time. And what a, an academic study that I, uh, I quote in one of my recent columns found is that a lot of investors typically make their allocation changes in their 401ks or the IRAs in the month of January. And of course, they can do it any month of the year, but they often do it once a year in January. And when they are more upbeat in January, they tend to increase the amount of money that goes into the stock market. And the reason that has a lingering positive effect is that those allocation changes stay in place for the rest of the year until January, in this case, January of 2024. And so it's the gift that keeps on giving to the stock market, and that's really the, the theory behind this particular indicator. It seems like the economic disruption of the last three years, shutting down the economy, turning it back on, uh, vaccine-induced demand, have put a great deal of stress on financial models, and uh, have some uh, fallen by the wayside, and which ones have uh, managed to uh, hold up under all this disruption? Well, that is really the question we should always be asking about any indicator. And, of course, it's too early to know, because even if the indicator doesn't work this year, it works more often than it doesn't, but nonetheless, there is nothing that works all the time, it would take a number of years of failure before a statistician would be able to conclude with any degree of confidence that the indicator has stopped working. So that's the frustrating thing in the markets is that uh, the analogy I use with my clients is if you're a blackjack card counter, you know by the end of the night whether your method is working because you've played so many rounds. But a, a round in the stock market, so to speak, might be a year, and it takes many, many years for us to get the odds in our favor. And you know you'd be doing a really good job if security threw you out. <laughs> That's exactly right. And then, and then, and then lastly, uh, it just seems like uh, investors were just very happy to see the calendar click over from 2022 to 2023. Well, that's right. And there is a lot of sentiment uh, that's just positive in the month of January for that very reason. But it turns out that when people have looked at that just as a general phenomenon, they haven't found any statistical significance for it. This particular theory about the sentiment index out of the University of Michigan is the first one that actually passes statistical muster that at least I've seen. Mark Hulbert, investment columnist for The Wall Street Journal, Barron's, and MarketWatch.com. Thanks for joining us this afternoon. You'll find past programs and later today, a podcast of this hour at WBBMNewsRadio.com and the Odyssey app. 
We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Oh, oh, oh. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly.